Hello and welcome along to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. If you've been struggling with anxiety or know someone who has been, then this podcast is for you. Today, we're going to be covering some more tips, strategies, and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve. Ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. Today, I have Nick Skoltisik, and we are going to be talking all about simplifying your life and It's been really exciting to have Nick on because she is a designer, coach, and consultant who does home design and also talks about expat life and runs the business Our Home Worth Having as well as the podcast under the same name. Thank you so much for joining me, Nick. Well, thank you, Becky, so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad we were able to get you on. And I found it really interesting learning about you and what you do. And I'd really love you to tell us more about what it is that you do and who are the people that you help. I am a trained designer, right? I went to university to do interior design, the classic way of making things, spaces look pretty, like the classic, whatever you imagine, right? Give me money, I make it pretty. And that very quickly became very boring for one reason, because it's very, design is very trend related and it can be predictable, but also for me as a person, it wasn't really satisfying to work like that Mm. because being an expat, and moving around the world and home has to be something different than just a pretty place to sleep in. So I started asking different questions, which obviously attracted different clients. I got passed around a lot in the expat bubble of people understanding that home needs to be something else. And that, for example, like how we relate as parents to our kids and to our own childhood For some, it's a really painful realization that what we cherish about our own childhood has nothing to like, our kids have a complete different experience Mm -hmm. because they grow up differently in a different culture. So a lot of that plays into my work and I'm really focused more than on the looks, not on the Mm -hmm. looks of things, but the experience of things. Like think about the memories you want to make. Mm -hmm. Like how can we design a memory? And that sounds really abstract, but it's absolutely possible, right? Wow, yeah, that's really cool. Really put thought into how do you want to remember life and how do you want your kids to remember life? And of course, you can't decide for them how they should feel, but you can do your very best to have a really active part of the experience more than Mm. the space. The space is just a tool that we use. I love how you said it gets boring just creating a pretty space, especially on trend, I guess, because each of the trends is like, oh, at the moment, this is in. So we want the modern style and then that changes, but it's not. It sounds like you're going for more of individual way of approaching it and something that actually works better for the person rather than just making a pretty space. I loved how you talked about um, some of the stuff you've been talking about is about simplifying as well, especially in terms of when it, how it relates to anxiety. How does Absolutely. that relate in terms of like simplifying that space or making it a space that is, I guess, this anxiety provoking to be in? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole research field called environmental psychology. Like how mm. does space affect our own behavior and our own thinking? Mm. And I did my research in that. I work with that. That is one part of it. The other is the one that I mentioned, like what kind of memories you want to have. And then the third element is instead of using design in a brand way, putting the best of you forward and being very egocentric as in my house, my car, and I'm impressing 
my yeah. former self and my boss and my mother-in-law and her chihuahua, <laughs> yeah. right? Really think of what comes actually hard to you. Like, where mm. do you struggle? And then based on that struggle, so you need to confront that. But then we designed a home to help you with the things that you really need help with. And mm. that's how then the experience of coming home becomes so much better because once we did that, once we designed that, certain aspects of your life become so much easier. I'm currently in that early baby mode because I've got a four-year-old and a seven-month-old. And yeah. house can be a very stressful place to be in when it's not designed in a way that's Absolutely. necessarily working for your family. So I can totally relate to that feeling of not feeling at peace in your space and not having it mm -hmm. work. And it's interesting how you're talking about Figuring out not just presenting this sort of almost like an Instagram version of your house that other people are like, oh, wow, you have an amazing house. But it sounds like it's almost like what's not working, what's causing issues for you. And we're going to do a design so that your life is actually better through the space yeah. rather than exactly. actually how can we make your life work better for you? Is that kind of where yeah. you're coming from? Absolutely. So you have to understand that if we do things to look good, then usually the amount of maintenance, the things that you need to do, you need yes. to do on a daily basis. But you get to play pretend. Like we play house here and it's a dollhouse and it's really neat and packed and everything has its place. Yeah. It requires a lot of effort on your part. Yeah. Whilst if we do it the other way around, how can we design a home to be less Instagram worthy, but then be really easy to keep up with? Then the home does what comes hard to you and you get to do more of the things that are easy to you. Like you mm -hmm. get to use your strength and that is what's building you up. That's the confidence. But we all struggle with motherhood and being good enough. Mm. And if I don't have to worry to keep the house in a certain way, so it's always in that little frame that Instagram or any social media picture provides us, then I get to be more me for the people that really matter to me and in my life. Oh, I just feel the sense of like, oh, <laughs> because it's that, like those days where you have that people coming around, like you're having people over for dinner or a meal or people coming to your house. And I know myself, it's just like the three or four hours before running around trying to do everything and make it look like your house is not what your house is normally like. And especially when you're juggling children on top of that as well and trying to keep on top of what that brings into the space. I think there is that struggle and that expectation of the perfect doll. Like you said, a dollhouse where it's like everything's yeah. in its place as if no one's living there. I do yeah. feel like houses have become this place where it's like your house is supposed to be a place that isn't lived in and also doesn't have much in the way of things that you actually need quite a few things to use each in the perfect presentation doesn't provide the things that you potentially need for the data. Yeah. Let me add to that two things. One thing we need to understand, of course, there's those influencers who make a living with presenting their home in a certain mm. way. And we all do understand that is not reality. It's part of their business. And the way you handle your podcast is your business is completely different than you being at home and being a mom where you don't have to hit certain criteria. Let's say, call it the mm. ROI. What do I need to do in order to bring mm. return of investment back? Home should Absolutely. never be counted in return of investment as such. 
And then when we see those great spaces that inspire us on, let's say, Pinterest, the boards that we collect, this perfect curation of magnificent places, yeah. you need to understand, I worked as a designer on spaces like that. Those pictures are not the pictures that the person who actually lives in that space made. So when I worked for a designer, we created for some farmer, CEO, or a politician, or whoever, with a lot of money, this great space. They go and live in it, and it's great. And then we get to take portfolio pictures, which are for the architect, for the designer, mm. right? And then for every hour that we plan to have a photo shoot, you have to count two to three hours of cleaning up and making it look the way it looks like yeah. then later on those it has nothing to do with how the person lives in it, mm. right? And then, so for us normal people who don't have millions to spend on interior, just like you said, like in your situation with your kids, and then you finally have the time and you have people over and you don't want it to be this complete mess. Obviously, everybody wants to show themselves from their best side. Mm. But what I need to remind, especially young mothers, is that we tend to interpret the stuff that lies around as the clutter, because that's the stuff that right, has no home. But what if we turn that around? All the toys that laying around in the way and that you feel is like mm. the clutter because it messes up the perfect picture, those are the useful things. Those are the useful toys because they are being played with. Mm. The real clutter is the things that we have on the shelves, that we have on the walls, that are always tightly, neatly put oh away. Oh, my gosh. away space, right? And we're so proud. This corner always looks pretty. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a corner full of junk. Stuff right? we don't use because it stays perfectly, so it's not being picked up and used and put back or not put back. And for kids' toys, the toys that stay where they're supposed to be, in their shelf or in their box or whatever. You're right. They're the toys that aren't being used, aren't being played with, aren't being touched, but they're neatly put away. <laughs> and then the whole anxiety factor comes in oh because God. you have some certain expectations. You want it to look in a certain way, and we need a certain mm -hmm. level of tidiness to feel good, but it doesn't need to be super stark and super cleaned up, right? But the anxiety comes then because your head keeps telling you, this is the junk, this is lying around, this is messing everything up. But your heart knows, wait, that's the stuff we use. We use it on a daily. You know, we had such a great time playing Monopoly, playing whatever, dominoes, and then the dominoes are lying around, whatever it is. And then you're getting into this conflict that you cannot win between the head saying, telling you one thing and the heart telling you the other thing. And then you get like this anxiousness builds up. And that's one form of anxiety that is absolutely self-induced. But I hope that when people listen to this, they are like, yeah. oh my God, right. But it never crosses you like that. Like if somebody else points it out, yes, of course. Yeah, exactly. In the moment, you don't feel it like that. Yeah, eye-opening. And I really love... Firstly, I think there's an awareness piece because when we look at a magazine and look at models, women wearing these clothes, we know that there's been a certain amount of photoshopping and color correction and all this sort of things. But I don't know how much we have that same sort of awareness when we're looking at pictures of 
houses and interior design. So it's really helpful to actually go just like it's created. It's not a lived space. It's a pretty picture that's been created. It's a piece of art. Yeah. It's like you said with fashion, it's like there's high fashion that looks pretty, but is completely useless and really uncomfortable to wear. That's yeah. what's happening in the photos of those interiors as well, right? And there's a difference because our perception of space in a 2D on a picture looks completely different than our feeling literally of the body in a three-dimensional space, right? Mm. And what happens in those influencer pictures is I make my clients go through an exercise right at the beginning to understand that what you have already is enough and you can create without buying more stuff. You can already create a much better feeling And that is when I go with them through the exercise and then they realize that you can clean up, for example, a space and then you are in the space, three-dimensional, you are in your space and having space feels really good. It feels free, like you have the impression I can move here. Some people say it smells different or the air feels different, like depending on how we perceive space. Absolutely. But then you take the exercise and you take your phone and you look through the screen and then all of a sudden this cleaned upness feels empty and what feels empty feels sad right mm. and then you're like oh but on the picture it doesn't and then you have to put two three books like these show books on a coffee table and then you have to put a vase and then you have to be you know the coffee mug and then it's, it becomes these things stacked but and then it looks fantastic on a picture but then you put the phone away again and it's like there's all these things and now I have to my kid cannot play here because there's these coffee books and it costs so much and I can't just literally I can't put my coffee in there because then I will have stains on this and like all these little things build up and it's just becomes oh feeling of no yeah and it's interesting when you were saying space when you clear the space and you put things back in their place and you tidy up there's this feeling of possibility of oh now we can do something else now that we've tidied away the monopoly now we can play with the blocks because there's space again. Because when you pile too many things on top of the other, that you don't have no way to move. But it's interesting yeah. with that design piece is that you're doing the tidy piece where you put things away to create space for more living. But instead of living, you put stuff to make it look. It's, it's always like it's the appearance of living in a non-messy, non-organic. Like when you yeah. go and want to buy a new home and... They present a show home and it looks like, and then they have this casually thrown duvet and it's still staged. You know what I always say is there's one thing how we curate and how we choose in theory when we think about what we want to bring into our lives. There's one thing on how we imagine things and then there's another thing how we live with Mm. these things. And you only love your home as much as you love the life that is happening within. And if life Mm. cannot happen, the way you want it to happen, it becomes stressful. Yes. Can I just say a big amen to that? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. There's a certain level being a mum at home quite a lot with a small child and children, certain level of your stress and anxiety that is just from trying to hold together the household and the dishes and the washing and the toys and this and the that and it can sometimes especially when on a hard day it can almost feel like you're drowning in the space in if the space isn't working for you and so you're holding everybody's comfort in your hands and Mm. who's holding your comfort 
who is holding you, who's serving you. And space can do that. I mean, like on a meta, completely philosophical level, right? The way we live, like any building is literally engineered, constructed. They have no other purpose than holding us and holding our life. And if you don't set it up to hold the way you want to be held, I mean, everybody loves to go to a hotel. There are certain processes, like, but then you are just a number also because you run through how they set up how this hotel and how the experience is run. And we love it because we are being held. We are being cared for. We are being served. It's yeah. being cleaned up for us. It's being cooked. But then at some point, there comes a saturation point. And what point am I the active part here? What can I decide? And that plays a huge part, mm -hmm. I think, in anxiety as well as in depression of feeling in control over how life is developing. And I'm not saying, yes, you can do a lot with interior design. So it's simplified. I mean, the house will never clean itself, but the process can be helped and that yeah. can be simplified. But also there is a certain comfort in the process of you being in control and cleaning up. And when do you clean up? And do I want to clean up now? Or can I leave it be for tomorrow? Or I don't want to leave it for tomorrow. Like, what is your need? Right. And there's no right and wrong answer. And everybody has different levels. But we need to explore that. And we need to face that in the planning and design stage so that then later you can forget all about this. It's a part of your life and it, it has, is more functional rather than I feel like sometimes with how our, our house is at the moment, it feels like you're fighting against the setup to try and wrangle it into working. And I think especially adding that next child and all the baby things back into the space that I'd shifted out and not and taken over that space for something else and then trying to bring it back in again. It seems like there's a real intentionality and it's life design as well as being just experience. Vision. There are different elements at play here. There is environmental design and how we perceive space and what gives us the feeling of being in control and what gives us the feeling of being in awe and small and something else being much bigger than us. There's also a lot of regular psychology of how do you feel about yourself? And there's everything, let's say, from event design. If you go to a gala, people put a lot of thought of what is it like to enter this space? Like, what is it like? Is there a red carpet? Is there candlelight? Like, there's a lot. Every detail is planned. And mm. obviously, at home, we don't need to go to such a detail because that's stressful as well. Do you have to make coming home an event? And what are the basics that you need? And how do you want to come home? Because coming home into your space is how you come home to yourself as a person. Mm. I have found how much my home space reflects and represents how things are going inside. And when things are kind of really overwhelming and I'm struggling to keep up, I notice my house getting to the point where I'm struggling to keep up with the things around. And when I feel like I'm getting on top of things that I'm kind of getting feels like that in my house as well. It's interesting how it becomes, there's definitely that correlation between the internal and external with our home and how representative it is of our psyche, I find. Yeah. So there's the saying, right? Mm. And that happens to a lot of people. But when you notice that, when you get to the point, like usually things slip, right? You have other stuff to do. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, this the house is a mess. Yeah. In this moment, what if we could just say, you know what, better outside without me, you know, so not within me, so I can then work, let that be. And then I can first start with myself 
And as soon as I feel more in the clear with myself, then we have more energy to deal with the, okay, now I can actually clean up. Because if we started the other way around, oh no, it needs to be comfortable, then we're putting more pressure on ourselves. Mm, yeah. There does seem to be a need to- for a level of calmness when you get into that stuff as well because I find if I get too stressed and anxious and I'm rushing around then I become less efficient as well so I'm spending a whole lot of time but not getting as much done (laughs) racing between this room and that room and doing a little bit here and a little bit there but I'm not really like getting clearing things out it's just manic movement without necessarily a lot happening. Absolutely. And when most people think about interior design or hiring a designer, there's this common notion that it's this all or nothing approach. So I work a lot with my clients feeling like what feels enough to you as in content. And I'm happy to just have that much. Like I don't need to add more stuff in order to feel enough. But traditional interior design is usually in order to afford a designer, in order to start a interior design project. And that's how the design as a business is set up. You don't need to have enough. You have to have so and so much more, usually in money and time and Mm. effort. You have to be so affluent in order to make it worth hiring a designer. And I think that's where the setup of design as a business just is completely wrong. It is interesting because with what you're saying about kind of creating a space where you can kind of live and relax and have the sort of life that you really want to be having in that space, that's not something we just naturally know how to do. And we need help with that. And it's interesting, the reflection of internal to external, it's almost like we need home design, almost like a home design therapist who can help us work through what issues, what issues do you have in this sort of space that we're going to work through and step by step find a way so that this space works better, is more functional, where when we're working with someone with anxiety and helping them through therapy, it's about how is your anxiety dysfunctional and not working and what can we do to make you able to function better? It sounds like you're using the space. It really relates in almost like space therapy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super interested, again, in the environmental psychology aspect, but also in positive psychology. And what you just mentioned, like, right, in positive psychology, there's this theory, if you could be a superhero, what kind of superhero would you be? Would you be one that fights against and then all the bad things in your life? Or are you somebody who fights for, like promotes for, and that is much softer, the approach. And I find that when it comes to coming home and your life and your life being full, and if you feel like something is quote unquote wrong or broken, everybody wants to first work on the broken bits. But if your life is already full and you are already exhausted, then this working on, so creating this change that is for the long run, a change for the good is in the short run whilst you're doing it. It's a fight. It's a struggle. It is really exhausting and you are already exhausted. So my approach is let's turn this right. Let's make this a green cape of promoting more. Like let's A, get aware of what is already good, what is working Mm. and make what is good, great. Make what is neutral or what you haven't thought about, make that good. And then when the goodness takes slowly spreads, Mm. right? Taking more and more space, automatically you then realize because you're feeling, oh, this felt good. And then you're more aware of like, oh, the other thing didn't feel good, so I'm going to do less of that. So it's less of a fight, 
And it's just really focusing your mind on what is working and being happy with what you have and not constantly seeing the lacks, really measuring mm. the gain and not the gap. And then slowly, like this takes over, the goodness takes more and more space. And you have then with that confidence and more moments of that feel good, you get more confidence of setting boundaries with what isn't good. And then it starts with centering, being aware with yourself, setting boundaries with yourself. Like again, this feeling of I have to serve everybody and I have to look a certain way and it has to look effortless. So you need to learn to set boundaries, like loving boundaries with yourself and then setting boundaries with the outside world just becomes a natural extension of that. Is there something in your life that was good yeah. that you've made that might be easier to think of something? Just like you, I work from home. I have my own business. I do everything from home. And I'm an incredibly extroverted person. When I'm with people, I'm super extroverted and nobody would ever think that I'm anything but extroverted but mm. having my life's history like I didn't just move when I was an adult I already as a child I don't have roots as such mm. like this extrovertedness for me is a coping mechanism because mm. I used to be one year here six months there two years there like right. my coping mechanism is I need to make friends fast you know I notice that if I'm the smiley, if I'm the happy, if I'm the extroverted, if I'm the fun to be around person, that yeah. comes a lot easier. And that's how I serve my need of being liked and feel belonging to the external world, like being part yeah. of society or being part of a school class, whatever it was at the time. And it really just came to me when I became a mom that all of a sudden, like my entire life before I was a mother, I had my place to come home to. And then I had this silence and so I'm an ambivert. Like I need mm. for every minute I spent being extroverted, I need at least as much time being introverted. Like have, right. yeah, right. The, the absolute quiet, like the other extreme. Mm. And then you become a mom and then you have oh, no. one toddler. <laughs> yeah. And the baby, like my kids are 15 months apart. So I had yeah. a 15 month old and a newborn and they're screaming all the time. And, Nobody ever sleeps at the same time. I realized how loud my yeah. home became and that refuge because I had to take care of the little ones and I had all these noise. I had so much noise in my head and I realized that usually when I'm by myself, my headspace is really, really quiet and I need this quietness. So yeah. I needed to learn of how I behave, how my husband is involved, how we set up our schedule. Another thing is how I set up hope. And then I need to have my comfort space. And my comfort space is literally also my work because it gives me that feeling of detachment from the family and other people's needs. Because having my own podcast, talking to people, being inspired, that is how I serve myself so I can hear my thoughts, right? Mm. Like my brain is a beautiful place to live in. <laughs> But I need to hear myself, like I need to hear mm. and see myself. And if there is constant noise, I cannot do that. Mm. So for me, that was really making my workspace, my sanctuary, and really then starting with the space because that's my profession, that's where I'm good at. And then the principles of what is important to me in my design work and how can I add those, other people call it values, core values, whatever, mm. right? How can I add that? in the extended area of my life, as in behaviors, how I interact, who I am being with others, who I am being with myself 
to myself, right? Mm. So I'm a big fan of essentialism. As little as possible, but as much as needed. And you mm. need to know where is that tipping point. And it takes some mm. time and it takes some work, right, to find that balance point. And there's a pattern. I've seen it happening to me and I've seen it with the clients that come to me. As soon as the second one is at the age where they can follow rules, as soon as there is some independence and you know that they understand, as soon as they're out of the sticky finger years, usually mothers have that sudden urge like, now I need an upgrade. Now I need it to be more elegant. For now, all the furniture was against the walls, creating space because they are crawling, because they're learning to walk. You don't want them to fall and hit their head on a sharp yeah. edge. All of a sudden, that is not an issue anymore. They don't vomit as much. They don't spill as much. <laughs> you know, yeah. All of a sudden, when they're like four, five, six years old, and you're like, whoa, now I want this urge of getting more quality, as more sophistication, right? Like the center shifts, like you don't need to be on their case all that time. So you can yeah. be then more on your case and then show them how you serve yourself and your needs. You show your kids that it's okay to literally take space and serve mm -hmm. yourself and not be right the person that always needs somebody else to take care of them because you mm -hmm. show them how you take care of yourself and how they can then do the same. It's a modeling piece. Absolutely. And, and providing for your needs and giving them permission to have needs and provide and learn as they move through the stages to start meeting those needs themselves and that it's not selfish to take time for yourself and to look after yourself. And, you know, and that happens. Like when you have kids that are really dependent on you, you like you need to literally have them in eyesight, right, in the same room yes. with you. And then they turn all of a sudden, like starting to go to school, and you have this desire of, okay, this needs to become a more adult space and a lot of parents then feel really pressured of oh like it feels like you're kicking your kids out right mm. all these years they had their stuff here they had their toys here but now they are more independent they can play by themselves and it's not that you're kicking them out you're inviting them mm. to use space differently and since they're growing up as well mm. you're showing them a way of growing up as well like okay you don't play as much with lego or domino or blocks anymore you are now somebody who likes to read. So let's create this reading space for all of us, for myself mm. and for you. And then that's, for example, very practical things from environmental psychology, like how do you set up a room? What materials do you use? And it literally doesn't become as easy for certain behavior to, to occur. For example, I have two boys, right? Mm. And they started to play hockey and ice hockey, right? Yeah. And we had this long hallway space. Right, yes. And obviously they come home and they were, you know, super excited. What do they yeah. do? They play hockey in the hallway, right? Yeah. And it's loud and you have that little rubber ball bouncing up everywhere. And then it was just noise and chaos and you couldn't pass one little thing. And they would yeah. slide just on socks and there's like a lot of movement. Yeah. It drove me crazy. Right? Yeah, I can imagine. Once you put one carpet in there, you can't slide anymore. You can't do that. And then yeah. you're like, oh, that sucks. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to take my hockey stick. Yes, please. Yes. yes. Without me yelling, <laughs> right? Take your hockey sticks outside. Go and play outside. Oh, well, like, you make it impossible. And they're like, I love oh. it. And it's a really smart trick. It's like, oh, you know, I can't slide. It's not, we can't play hockey. Oh, I'm going to go out. You know, you didn't yell, like you got what you're, they can still do without this whole fighting over right. thing. Yeah, it's just like, I'm just going to put a rug there. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
all of that a sudden is now more appealing. But it's creating spaces for what you want to be happening in those spaces and then providing. There was a space that was works better, which is outside. But as long as they're having a slippery floor, log hallway, which is kind of... <laughs> why should I, I can understand that. Like, why I should get dressed up, or even if it's hot out, it doesn't matter. Like, it's an effort to go out. For as long as you have an easier option right here at home. But then you take the easier option at home, and then all of a sudden, this effort isn't an effort anymore. It's like, yeah, I just put on my boots and my jacket. I'm out. Ciao, mom. Yeah. I'm in front of the house. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's adding a little bit of a resistance to that activity happening in that area. And then it, the other resistance for going outside just seems less. Nothing in compared. Yeah. Okay. I can oh put on socks. Gosh. I can put on shoes. I'll go. Ciao. That is so clever. And this is why it sounds like it would be really helpful having someone to bounce off the ideas on how you could just shift things to make it work better. Yeah. So we're going to need to be finishing up soon, but from what we've talked about, I know I'm sure there's lots of people who are like, I need Nick to help me with this. <laughs> it sounds great, but how do I do this in practicality? So how could people connect with you and work with you further? What things are you offering that can give people that opportunity? I just moved again. I'm like right now living in my seventh country. Wow. Yeah. So I just moved to Sweden. <laughs> oh, well. Wow. We just set up house here four or five months ago. And oh, now it turns out we have to move again. <laughs> right. Yeah, just well, we're going to stay here. We're just going to, you know, it's a landlord thing. Like the landlord decided to sell the house all of a sudden. <laughs> we need to find another place to stay. Yeah. yeah. So, right, life happens. That's just the way it is. Absolutely. So I offer people, we can just do the simplification part. Like really, I call it love the shit out of your home all the junk pieces then go and then you literally <laughs> love the shit out of your home because it's like oh my god I guess the first relief for a lot of people that's enough You're like you don't need to add more as in creating more sophistication more I don't know whatever you crave being more eclectic being more weird being more chic being more whatever it is we can just do the first stage of editing really good design is not what you add it's what you take away then mm. feel this relief so we can do this, or we can do the whole shenanigan, the whole program, starting with simplifying, and then where do I want to add? Because I'm not, again, essentialist. Add mm. glitter where it serves you, where it matters, mm. where you need it to be. Actually, I just shifted from not making design the main point anymore. It's about mm. really the life that is happening within, and it's how do we make time and space for another project that I want to do for myself. So I call it starting a passion project, which always starts with creating time and space in your home and then really thinking about who is the person I want to grow into? How do I want to grow old? Like, who do I want to be? And really building that vision, curating that image of who you want to be and then mm. really pathways of how do we get there? What needs to happen in order for me to have like 20, 30, or even just five years down the lane, a certain set of memories? Like what are the mm. memories you want to make and how do we make them happen? And then we really start thinking once we have the simplifying part done, where do we add the glitter? Where does it matter? And it's not going to be a full renovation of your house. It's not going to be a full renovation of your life. Mm. It's just adding like really those 20%, 10%. 
in your life where it matters. I just did that exercise with my sister and her boyfriend. They are having a a flat and a house. And you know how it is with family. You might be an Mm. expert in something and people never ask you. (laughs) (laughs) And they were having so many problems because they're doing this whole renovation and it's Mm. putting stress on their relationship. And I'm like, hello, I'm here. That's what I do. Hello. Hello. Let's do this exercise of where do you need to set your priorities? What is important Mm. in your life? Where do you want to put that time and effort and money? Mm. And then we went through that process. And especially for him, especially guys are always blown, (laughs) absolutely blown. Like, wait a second. I never thought of it like that, right? Yeah. And and then they have clear priorities. He sees himself growing old like this and this and that. So this space is going to be his space, and that's where he's going to be the main decision maker. It's not that she doesn't have any say, but it's a priority to him. And she had a different priority. So another space will be her space. And that is, you know, how you focus on who you want to become and Mm. not fight each other in this space as a couple, Mm. but grow together. There's also holding responsibility and mind space for that space as well, because when it feels like the whole house is yours, especially I find because I'm home most. It's a quite a weight, so it's actually quite good to separate that out. So how can people connect with you to work with you? Can people work with you one-on-one? Do you have a program? What sort of ways can yes. people work with you? <laughs> so I like working one-on-one. So the simplifying part, if you just want to have a program and you do it by yourself, I have that. Contact me. You can buy that. Do it on your own but it's always so much nicer if you have somebody to talk it through and to send your progress pictures with too. And to, you know, really the letting go part is an emotional part. So I'm, I love doing that with my clients. Mm -hmm. So usually I work one-on-one. My website is a home worth having because that's what we want to create. And yeah, we can do just really focus on interior and thinking about yourself is the side product because while you do these exercises that I make you do, in order to create space, you gain clarity about what is important to you. Or we can go even deeper once that is done. We think even more, once you're in the habit of thinking about yourself and who you want to become, then we adapt in the extended program, what are the actions now that I need to take in order to have those memories at the end of whatever time period you choose. Awesome. That sounds great. And if people want to follow you on socials, what are the best places to connect with you in that way? It's everywhere. Um, it's everywhere a home worth having. So I'm not really active on Facebook, but, you know, it's getting auto-pushed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's usually Instagram and, Instagram. and LinkedIn. And they're both a home worth having. On Instagram, it's a home worth having. On LinkedIn, it's Nick Schultesick. I'm sure you put that in your yeah, notes. Yeah, we'll, and we'll put all of these in the notes so that people can can grab those links because I feel like this is really one of those things where it'd be helpful to have somebody working through it with you and helping you to yeah. problem solve to create a home with having. Just know that whatever I make you do, right, in your home, especially in the simplification process, we are not focusing on what to add. So you're not spending more money Everything we do, I make you do it. I insist of you doing it, even if you're like, oh, I I will not like that. I don't do it anyways, because nothing we do is irreversible. If you Mm. really then, through the process, get confirmed in whatever your suspicion was before, Mm. great. You can put it all back as it was. 
Mm. But a lot of times we have this imagination of what we like. And then we get surprised that a different experience that we thought actually feels good. And it's th- just yeah. like, I really want you to be playful, extending the goodness and not fighting what is bad. I love that. Well, we'll need to wrap, wrap up there. Um, but thank you so much for joining me, Nick, and sharing about your incredible approach to interior design. And I do feel sort of a lift of anxiety was just talking to you about creating a better space for yeah. living in because that's so much of our lives, especially the last couple of years, so much of our lives has been our home. So creating yeah. a better space for that it will pay off, definitely. And obviously I'm not the anxiety specialist, but from my experience, when it comes to anxiety, it's about where can I build my own comfort and my own mm. security and my own certainty like reliable how can i make life more reliable and less of a roller coaster and once you Mm. notice how much you can do is like really in your power that is what's then lifting the anxiety because then you have the confidence of like wait a second this is getting out of hand but i can do something about this fantastic thank you so much for that nick and (laughs) um yeah and do check out um nick on her socials and um connect with her if you want to work with her further thank you for joining us on the podcast Thank you for listening to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. That's it for this week's episode. If you found this episode helpful, make sure to click the follow button and please do share this with your family and friends. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. That's at Anxiety Specialists. And if you're interested to learn how you can live an anxiety-free life, you can get our epic Anxiety Reducer Guide absolutely free so you can get started right away on getting your anxiety back down. Just grab the link in the show notes. Feel free to message us and let us know what you'd like to learn next. I'm your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. And we're going to be back next week with more tips, strategies and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve.